Stories about murder and darkness had a definite pull. They were alluring and how forbidden they were. Anya Allborn, Within These Walls. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and joining me today, I have Lisa and Mackenzie from the Ladies of Fright podcast. And as women who love horror, this was the perfect opportunity to highlight some of our favorite female horror authors on this episode of Books in the Freezer. Thank you so much for joining us. We were so thrilled to discover another podcast about horror fiction, and it was just a wonderful bonus that it was also hosted by ladies. And for people who haven't heard of the Ladies of Fright, how would you describe your podcast? Ladies of the Fright is a podcast for writers and readers who like it dark. So as writers ourselves, we tend to focus a lot on craft, and Mm -hmm. so we read a lot of dark books. Um, We do read horror fiction, but we've also read some dark fantasy, dark fairy tale type of book. And we break down the book, like we just talk about like the themes and the different things coming up and how all of the different elements of the stories are working at play with each other. And then we also usually alternate a craft episode with an interview with an author, editor, or other industry professional. Yeah, I love your guys' podcast. It's like the dream book club meeting. <laughs> like, I wish all book club meetings got that, like, in-depth about stuff. And I love that you guys are coming at it from a writer's perspective and really talking about how stories are put together. Because I think as someone who is just a reader, I don't think about stories like that. So it's really interesting. Oh, thank you so much. We have a lot of fun doing it. And we kind of had, we've always done this with each other. And one day we're like, why, why don't we just start recording our conversations? Maybe people will want to listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> It was um, definitely originally kind of taught, I think, too, while we were getting our um, our MFAs at UC Riverside together. Uh, mm-hmm. This this sort of way of like diving into books and extracting um, tools, you know, and finding out exactly like how the authors built those books. That was really taught to us as well because. You know, it's like as a student, you're kind of like, well, who do I learn from? How do I learn? And what do I learn? And the professors were like, well, it's in books. And so that lesson of looking close, of doing close readings was um, not accidental that we paid money for. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's paying off. Is that how you guys met at UCR? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. um, We she was actually set up to be my um, my mentor because since it's a low residency program, um, Mm -hmm. new students get someone that they can talk to over the phone or text or something. And obviously, this isn't just anyone you um, as the mentor 
or you have to kind of volunteer yourself and say, I'm willing to take someone under my wing. And so Lisa was that for me. And we started texting and we kept texting. And then when we met, it was just this, like, we just had, um, like an instant connection was like, Oh, okay. So we're, we're in this for the long haul together. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I was in Mackenzie's wedding, like maybe three or four months after I met her. It was something like that. Or maybe it was like, it was less than a year. It was less than a year because it would have been the summer. So if you and I met, like if we, yeah, if we actually like met, met in like a December, you would have been in my wedding that following July. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I guess like when you know, you know, like when you click with someone, you click with them. So that is so cool. And I think I talked to Lisa about this, but you guys have a bit of a connection to one of my other favorite podcasts, Literary Disco. Oh, yes, we do. So uh, Todd Goldberg is the director of our MFA program that we attended. And um, uh, as you know, he's the host of Literary Disco. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, we have pretty awesome relationship with Todd. He is just an incredible advocate for his students. And it goes well far beyond um, just while you're in the program. He's always there for support. He's just an incredible person. Uh, He's actually putting together, I think it's the 10-year anniversary of this particular MFA program coming up um, this year. And so in December, they're doing like a huge um, 10-year anniversary residency. And that residency, all the visiting professors are, uh, or visiting lecturers are former students yeah they're former students oh that's really cool yeah he's also a huge advocate too the literary disco they um they're also wonderfully huge advocates for uh genre writing which you actually don't find very much in the academic world which is such a bummer and something that we're completely fighting against and so it's really wonderful too when you meet um kindred spirits like that who have a say in these things who do um you know say no these are these books need mentioning. There are reasons why people want to read these books. Let's go deeper. Let's find out why. And so that was, um, I know that for, I know for Lisa and I, that was a homecoming. Oh, definitely. I love when they talk about that on their podcast. So while you guys were in the program, did you focus on dark fiction or horror fiction while you were doing your MFAs? Yeah, actually I did. I wrote um, like speculative fiction. Like I did a lot of like dark Mm -hmm. fantasy and then it was later in the program when I really started to read different. I got more exposure in the program to horror uh, because another one of our professors was Stephen Graham Jones. Oh, wow. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we're very lucky. So then um, that exposure and reading some of the stuff that he sort of exposed me to got made me kind of realize like, oh, this is like my groove. This is my jam. This is what I'm interested in. So, but yeah, my whole um, part, my whole time in the program was at least writing some kind of speculative fiction and it was celebrated and supported by all of them. They're really, really great. They really are. I focused more on YA. For my thesis, I wrote about portals, uh, portals and their use um, in literature, uh, just throughout, not necessarily only in YA, but just in all books. And so I concentrated hard on uh, YA dark fantasy, I think, for a while. That sounds really interesting. It was super fun. Do you guys think there's a gender imbalance in the horror genre? So I think there, I think it's a complicated answer. I think there is, um, or there has been and imbalance but I've been seeing I feel like the the genre as a whole has been really working hard to be more inclusive to 
expose those voices and um i don't know i just i feel like it's getting it like that gap is closing a little bit i think there's still um a ways to go but i i definitely think it's it's getting a lot better and as a as a woman in this genre i have been just welcomed with open arms all of the established authors that i've met and um talked to throughout my journey have just they they they're really opening a place um for women in this genre and really expressing especially the voice like the certain voices that like have a say and um you know like StokerCon and all of the, the the horror writers association um those people are really trying to open doors and open the make room for women voices in this genre so i think it's like in the past been an issue, but I think it is, it is improving and I'm sure there's still work to do, but I, I I feel like it's, it's getting better. Yeah. I don't think I could say it any better than Lisa just did. Honestly, it's, it is something that, um, we noticed going into this, obviously, because like you said, it's wonderful to meet other dark horror female enthusiasts. It's wonderful to make mm-hmm. that connection because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. But that being said, we have been so welcomed. You know, there isn't even the very established um, authors have been so absolutely wonderful with making sure that we felt very, um, very encouraged even, you know, it's like we're backed. Like Lisa and I have felt very supported. It's awesome. That's great. And I agree. I definitely feel like the genre is becoming more aware and making more of an effort to be more inclusive. So I'm glad you guys have felt nothing but welcome Mm -hmm. into the genre. Do you feel like before it was harder to find out about female horror authors that maybe they didn't get as much exposure? I think so. I think maybe because the superstars of the genre that people normally think of are people like, you know, Stephen King or Clive Barker and it's like yeah if you're yeah if you're looking for horror you're just like oh let me read some Stephen King because I heard he's you know a horror guy or whatever and yeah so I think it's harder or it has been harder to find out about them um because it's not it's they're just they didn't occupy that space in quite as loud or public a way as the men in the genre did for a really long time but I do think that it's getting easier especially because there's a lot of focused efforts to bring female horror authors to the spotlight and I know for us like with our podcast even like there are some male horror authors that we just adore and we love and we're gonna read these books and talk about them because we love them but Mm -hmm. it's been really important to both of us with our programming to make sure that we include a, a range of voices and not just male and female but also just all kinds of underrepresented um authors even like new authors like debut authors or indie authors or authors of color or you know just we want to make sure that we're being fair all inclusive yeah fair in our representation because it it is i think a lot easier if you're looking for a horror book to read like you just go to oh well, like stephen king or you know Mm-hmm. Well, like at the bookstore, that's like a whole right. shelf. That is the horror <laughs> shelf. Yes. <laughs> is there anything that's different about reading stories by women? Or like, why do you enjoy reading stories by women when you do? You know, I definitely don't want to blanket anything because there's always the exception yeah. to the rule, right? Um, mm-hmm. So with 
in reading female horror authors, I almost find that, and this could just be the way that nature programmed us, not necessarily how we're choosing to view the world or how we're raised or anything, but just how we as animals are programmed. I feel like with reading women, there's a different visceral level. And not to say that men don't get visceral, but I think that there is something with reading women where it goes just like one step a tiny bit deeper to where I can feel everything. We, um, I know that Lisa's going to talk about this book a little bit later, but we recently read Husk by Rachel mm-hmm. Autumn Deering and like it got into your heart, you know, it just, it was in, like it was inside and that's not something that I have come across with a male writer quite yet. Um, that is strictly female. And so that particular emotion, that particular feeling, I personally only get from female authors. But like I said, I'm anxious to find the exception to that rule. Definitely. That's actually a book I went out and immediately purchased after listening to your episode about it. <laughs> Yay, that's awesome. I'm so glad. That's wonderful. <laughs> that's our goal. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Lisa? What do you think? Um, I, I would agree with that. And then I also think, I don't know, I just... I think it just goes back to perspective. I, I want more perspectives. I want, I think a big reason that I read is to understand the world. I know what it's like to be me. And that's the only person I'm ever going to know what it's like to be like. So I read to get, you know, glimpses into other people's worlds and experiences and uh, viewpoints. And, you know, I, I, I just want to put on like, you know, someone else's skin for a little bit. <laughs> so I don't know. I just feel like it's I like reading those stories because that is if you're if I'm only reading stories by men, I'm not getting the full picture, even if they're writing stories about women. You know, it's like yeah. I want to know what the world looks like or what the concerns of women specifically are. One thing that I've noticed, and again, I don't want to make blanket statements, is that like when I feel like when women write unlikable characters, I find them more relatable. Mm-hmm. Like they're unlikable in a way that I'm like, yeah, I've had those thoughts too. Oh, definitely. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's something of like, you know, Gillian Flynn characters, or I like recently read um, Experimental Film by Gemma Files, and I was like, yeah, these are these are thoughts we all have. Oh. Like it's not like you're unlikable because you are evil. Yeah. I, I'm reading that one right now, actually. It's really, it's really, really good. I loved it. Say in that same vein, I just read um, uh, Behind Her Eyes by Sarah Pinborough. It's the same type of thing. It's almost in like a Gillian Flynn type of uh, thriller genre. And oh my gosh, like those characters. It, it's a mind-blowing book. You guys got to read it. Yeah, it's one I haven't picked up yet, but I've heard so much about. Was that the one that had the the hashtag like WTF that ending yes, or something? Yes, yes. The ending is insane. I haven't had an ending like that that like shook me like that in a very long time. Like I was just like, what? And it's like literally one chapter that changes everything. And you're like, oh, my God, what? What just (laughs) happened? (laughs) And that's always a good feeling when you're reading dark books. Oh, yes. I did want to mention some of our favorite female horror authors that we have mentioned on previous episodes, but we are not going to be recommending on this episode just because we don't try to do repeats often. But you guys know we love Christy Demeester. We've had her on the podcast. And her episode, actually, she like named a bunch of female horror authors that she loves so if you guys want to give that episode a listen listeners and write down some of the names she said that was just like an amazing resource uh this year I also discovered Tannerive Dew when I read her book uh Ghost Summer Stories and that was amazing 
we also love Nadia Bolkin, and we've definitely talked about books by Shannon McGuire slash Mira Grant mm-hmm. and Don Kurtigich and like so many others. So if you don't hear them mentioned on this podcast, know that we do love mm-hmm. them. <laughs> Shannon McGuire has got that uh, that great series that I'm just totally into right now also. I'm not sure if we classify it as horror, but it's definitely dark. The um, the Down Among the, uh, the, st- the Sticks and Bones Am I getting that new, oh, yeah. that one? Like that that whole series is so freaking good. I love it so much. Anyway, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to go <laughs> off. I was like, <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> no, for real. And that was a series I wasn't sure how I would feel about because I don't tend to like the fantasy side of things too much. But I read the uh, the Every Heart yes. a Doorway. Yes. And then I found myself. I'm like, oh, I need to read the next one. And then the next one was just as good and amazing. And I was like totally hooked the whole entire time. Um, I still haven't read the third Which one. Is, I haven't either. Is it like beneath beneath the sugar yeah. sky mm-hmm. or something like that? Yeah. I, I listened to those um, on audiobook, and they're only like four hour audiobooks, so yeah. it's like awesome. Like, cause I, I don't know, I get like not turned off when it's like a seventeen hour book, but when it's like when I see that and, I, and I'm like, uh. So when I saw there were four hours, I was like, yes, I can listen to these on my commute and I'll be I'll finish them quickly. And anyway, they were really good. And beneath the sugar sky. I think it's the last one, but Mm -hmm. at any rate, it was really good. (laughs) I'm really excited that they're only four hours. That sounds good. Cause yeah, dude, I tried to do um, Patrick uh, Ruthfuss, um, the name of name of the wind. It's like 24 hours or something crazy. Dude, it's incredible. Yeah, it's insane. (laughs) And it's, I mean, and I tried really, really hard, you know, it's like while you're folding laundry and stuff, but you get through like, you know, four paragraphs while you're folding laundry and you're like, um, I think I'm just going to read this one. So I haven't actually read it yet because my TBR is way too long. Um, but I'm really excited about the Fright into Flight, a female-only anthology that's edited by Amber Fallon. And I believe it's put out by Word Horde. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I am super excited to pick that one up. That was actually a direct response to the Flight or Fright anthology that was released by cemetery dance um which was edited by stephen king and i've actually heard some really good reviews of that one too but um i know there was a lot of discussion in the horror community when that um toc for the the flight or fright the cemetery dance um anthology got announced because it was i believe all male so then amber fallon put together this uh fright into flight female only anthology as uh more she put it on one of her social media posts was that it wasn't an attack of that one but it was more in response to to kind of just say like hey you missed something here (laughs) and um Mm -hmm. so I thought that was like a really cool project and just interesting in this whole bigger conversation of like diversity and including female voices and like how do we in the community want to um address this and make sure you know we're not you know you just I don't know in 2018 is it really a good idea to put out an anthology that has only male authors I don't know you know it so I think it's been it created a lot of interesting conversation and it's really cool to see all the pictures of the two of them together because the covers aren't identical but you can tell that these the Amber Fallon anthology is like an echo of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're working with like the same mm-hmm. palette. And I wish I could credit the per- this person, but I saw someone's um, post on on Bookstagram, and I wish I could remember who it was. But they said that the biggest 
difference between the two is that they read the cemetery dance one and they said men are afraid of fly- they, men are afraid of flying and then they said women um, take that fear and use it to fly basically themselves or use it to like they take that fear That's and cool. use it for power and that was the biggest difference between the two that they noticed interesting mm-hmm. Yeah, that is really interesting. And that is also that went like right into my right onto my TBR when it was announced. I know. I can't wait to read it. I just I have I have so many things I'm getting through. <laughs> uh, reader yeah. life. And it is one of those things because I think a lot of people make excuses and say like, oh, well, there just isn't that many or like women aren't pitching. But it's like, no, like you can make a whole anthology of just women. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, and the I think it. It's one of those things, too, where I feel like it's such a delicate line, because if you are trying to find an anthology with a certain theme and you just don't get any, then do you, like, if you don't get any women who have written for that particular theme, what do you do? Do you make the call and say, hey, I want more? Or do you say, okay, well, these are the people who submitted to the deadline and this is who I'm taking? Um, But you also have to wonder if it's from a vein of ignorance also. I was at a a panel um, at World Fantasy and one of the one of the people sitting on the panel actually said that there wasn't any Native American literature to read because they weren't writing. And like, I'll be damned, dude, if I didn't stab my hand up into the air and just start listing. Because it's like, no, how dare you? How dare you be so <laughs> ignorant and be up on a panel? So I don't know. I, I could honestly argue for or against. I could say, well, listen, these are the people who did their work and got it in on time. Or is it ignorance? Are you not like, are you not promoting to a... Um, on a platform where other people, where everyone can see, you know? So do you guys want to talk about some books? Yes, let's do it. Stephanie, I think that the, uh, one of the better books that I've read this year, like this is, this is maybe one of my like save in case of fire books is Sarah Grant's Come Closer. The idea behind the book is that she's kind of always had this dark tourist, you know, like someone, something hanging on. And we're never quite sure if she created this person or if this thing found her. And so when she's kind of in a rut, when she's in like a part of her life where she kind of wants change, where things are normal, she starts hearing a tapping. And I hope that that's not a spoiler. It kind of happens in the first chapter. Yeah, she hears tapping and that's the thing kind of saying, hey, I'm here. And so the more she listens to it or the more she fights it, um, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, And this is so, so wonderful because we're kind of experiencing it through um, first person narration. And so you really do feel along with this character. And it's a book that I've heard brought up again and again and again as far as haunted, uh, like haunted house and possession, because we're never quite sure if it's demonic possession in the beginning or if it's, you know, that they're living in a haunted house that has been possessed and it's not necessarily her if it's just clinging to her. And so it's cool that for a little while anyway, it's difficult to categorize until, you know, they start to figure everything out. But it's such a good read and it's short and so you can kind of do it in one sitting. Um, I definitely always like things like that. But um, I would, I think that it's really worthy of all the attention it's been getting. And I would definitely say that this is freezing for your scariness rating. Yeah, this is what I've been wanting to read. I have heard nothing but great things. And like, I know Rachel really liked it. And it just sounds like 
well done like psychological horror too oh yeah yeah it'd be what's really funny too is like um after i finished reading it um or no excuse me it was the first night that i was reading it so it was just the tapping that i was like still that i was um that i was reading and then my husband and i went to bed and about a couple hours later the dog started barking and so you know we both get up and we're like all right let's go check it out and there were like noises against our walls. And so that was a particular shade of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so it gets under your skin, that one. I definitely recommend um, Come Closer by Sarah Grant. Okay, the book I'm going to talk about is The Grip of It by Jack Chubbs. And the synopsis is Julie and James buy a house in a small town outside the city where they first met. They do this as a way to get a new start because James has a gambling problem and they are just really trying to get away from all of the temptation and just really turn over a new leaf. And at first they love their new place. It's between the forest and the ocean. But the longer they're there, their surroundings become increasingly strange. Their house is full of rooms and storage spaces that don't make sense and moving stains on the wall, Julie's body becomes covered in strange bruises. And of course, they have to find out what happened to the people that were there before them. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed this book. It's told in alternating POV chapters between Julie and James that I really like because I think it helps focus on the issue that is the trouble in their marriage and them kind of using this house as a way to fight the issues in their marriage and kind of work on this mutual project together and we really get into their relationship since we're getting both of their perspectives I know in my review I describe this as like fates and furies meets house of leaves mm -hmm. just because you're getting the relationship but you're also getting this weird house that doesn't make any sense and it kind of seems like it's attacking them in a way with the the bruises and the disgusting water that comes out of the the faucets it like comes out black and moldy and just eerie things happen. I just, I really enjoyed it. I will say this is a little more on the literary side. I would not describe this as fast paced, but it's just like a very great slow burn. And then things just spiral into a feverish state of the book. And you're just like, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah. Um, so I would rate this as room temperature just because of the pacing, but I thought it was very well written. I've heard a lot of good things about this. Um, we had someone on our show actually who recommended it to us. And so yeah, we have been, well, it's added to the list. So <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's sitting in my Kindle. <laughs> okay. So the first book that I would like to recommend uh, is Ritualistic Human Sacrifice by C.V. Hunt. And <laughs> <laughs> I love that name, dude. <laughs> The synopsis is that Nick Graves is a miserable man. Uh, every day he comes home from his dream job to a stale marriage. On the day he finally summons the courage to tell his wife, Eve, that he wants a divorce, she has exciting news for him. She's pregnant. <laughs> Nick is a spiteful man. He purchases his dream home in an ideal location far away from, his, uh, from any family, friends, or coworkers. It's a life-changing decision he's chosen to make without Eve's consultation. 
Uh, he's a terrified man. He quickly realizes the residents of his new hometown are a bit eccentric. And after a trip to the local doctor's office, Eve begins to behave strangely. And once Nick finds out what's really going on, he will never be able to look at Eve the same way. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> so I really debated about whether or not I should include this book as a recommendation because I'm still not really sure how I even feel about it. Um, but I did think that since we're discussing women in horror fiction, that it's important to cover a wide range of authors um, and books to show what women are capable of doing across the spectrum of horror. So I think maybe there's a misconception that women just write like really more emotional or cerebral horror, but this is like hardcore, crazy horror. Um, it's disgusting, horrifying, and there's parts of it, a lot of it, that's straight up pornographic. Um, oh, yeah, no. it was, I did, had no idea. I kind of knew because she, uh, C.B. Hunt, she's involved with Grindhouse Press. Um, and it, so, you know, with the term Grindhouse that you're going to be getting something like, Fucked yeah. Up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's not going to be quiet. It's not going to be quiet. No. So, um, you know, to say that I enjoyed it isn't really the right word, but I, at the same time, I couldn't put it down. <laughs> It's really depraved and uncomfortable, but I, I think there is a, even though there, it's dealing with a lot of like really gross things and a lot of, um, sex and this guy that's the main character is a total misogynistic douchebag. But I think that there's this subtext that that's, it's almost like a commentary on this type of story and this type of character. And so there's, there's this thread uh, underneath it that I think makes it just a little bit deeper than what this type of graphic horror is like. So I am glad I read it, although I was like, there were a couple parts that made me gag, like physically. It's crazy. Um, so mm. I, I say if you're, you're like into that type of really dark graphic story, definitely uh, check it out. Proceed with caution. Um, there, I will mention just that there's like a trigger warning. There is one graphic rape scene in the book. It's actually toward a man. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that in case that would be a, uh, uncomfortable for anyone. But, um, I think the reader is never really supposed to empathize with the main character or anyone in this book. We're just sort of supposed to feel the depravity of it and just get a glimpse at how, messed up humanity can be wow so like all so, the disclaimers then <laughs> all the disclaimers yeah so yeah. my scariness rating is um freezer and also trigger warnings but yes <laughs> for graphics for graphics so like freezer and then like with a lot yeah on it. <laughs> that's so funny too because like i remember you calling me when you first started reading that lisa and you were just like dude i don't know if it's good or if it's bad but i yeah. can't look away <laughs> And it was interesting because I actually found out about C.B. Hunt because she had an interview on the This Is Horror podcast. And so yeah, then I was like, oh, I want to check out her work. And I knew we were doing this episode. So I was like reading for the episode. And then I read it in like two and a half days. I'm like up in the middle of the night, like sweating. I felt like super guilty. Like I'm like, shouldn't be reading this, but I couldn't stop. It was like totally contraband, you know. And um, I've... <laughs> 
I've I've actually heard that her other work, while while she does write in this extreme horror space, it's not all quite so sexual as this one. So um, she's if you're interested in extreme horror, I think she's uh, she's got a lot of other books too. Yeah, I've I've never ventured into that subgenre of horror, but I feel like I should. So I might start with like one of her books for yeah, sure. Yeah, this because it's like definitely curious about it like what if I do like it what if I'm really into yeah. extreme horror I don't know I, I just it's really weird I cannot say that I liked it because I'm like I don't know that yeah. I liked reading that but I also couldn't stop and I was like I was mm-hmm. like wanted to know what the hell was going on and like what was going to happen um and so it was this weird space to be and I definitely felt like I didn't I was like hoping like no one would like read not I mean I read I was reading it at home but I was like god what if my husband like reads looks over my shoulder and like sees so he's gonna be like what are you reading <laughs> so it was still compelling though. it yeah yeah it was uh yeah it was compelling and there's um actually this very interesting character who um that I won't I, I can't really say anything about it because if anyone does decide to read it it's a big uh, it's a spoiler, but there's a character yeah. who is kind of on the outskirts of all of this and who adds this um, almost like a diverse perspective that you're really not anticipating. And so it, it deals with, um, I think, ideas of like what's a man supposed to be, what's a woman supposed to be, and like what could be in between that. Um, oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, so it's it's definitely... Um, I think if you like, if you understand that he's like a misogynistic jerk, and you know that you're not supposed to sympathize with him or empathize, mm-hmm. not you're not even really supposed to empathize with him. Um, I think if you go into it knowing that, you can kind of read what the subtext is and kind of that that she's she's making some kind of statement about men and women, even though she's putting you in the head of this like horrible mm-hmm. person. <laughs> it sounds almost like a touch of clockwork orange you know of like how much punish punishment is actual right. is actually like just punishment you know that's kind of like the feeling i'm getting <laughs> but it could be totally wrong because i haven't read it <laughs> but i want to <laughs> it's um i think it's like 200 pages uh, approximately it's okay. short i read it in like two and a half days so 200 Ooh, pages of it's, just crazy. Oh, i'm excited yes. it's there's like a statue made of poop in it. It's <laughs> there's like what there's the Satanist. There's these like yeah. So it's it's just crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with that. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So to follow that up, um, I've got a little bit tamer of a book. I've got Julie Berry's All the Truth That's in Me. And I was kind of hesitant about including this in horror because Lisa and I have discussed this book in our podcast. And I'm not sure if this is true horror or if this is dark fiction and I'm leaning more towards that this is some kind of blend of historical dark fiction with a love story involved um the uh you know the synopsis for the book is that um revealing her abuser could save the man that she loves but she has been forbidden to speak or even try because her tongue has been cut out and so it's um the, the thing that, um, and forgive me for speaking for you, Lisa, um, the thing that we kind of really both enjoyed about this book is that it, there were a couple different levels you could read it at, and um, possibly one of the more horrifying ones was the idea that um, when something bad happens to a woman, 
they're told to not speak about it. And so in the way that the book ha just has her tongue cut out and she's unable to speak was very symbolic of society in a way. And so I felt like it stayed true to horror in that sense of let's do something terrible to the character to represent this horrible thing happening in society because that's how we're going to explain it in the book. Um, I loved it for kind of the whimsical fantasy elements that it also had. Um, I, this book is definitely a silent killer, but it's a fast read because you're completely immersed in the world. Um, I love that it plays on the edges of multiple genres, but it really does have that feeling that keeps you in your seat. I mean, I read it in one day. Um, and when I told Lisa about it, Lisa, I think you zoomed through it too, right? Yeah, I couldn't stop reading it. The really cool thing about it too that I love is that it's written in okay. second person. And so it's written as kind of like a love letter to, um, to the boy that she loves. And so you're really feeling this along with her. And it's sectioned off into these like short, tiny little chapters. And so it is really easy to either um, binge read or to read in small blurbs because it's just, it, the writing is just pure fucking artwork. It's just absolutely gorgeous. So while it's suspenseful, while it keeps you there, it's also enjoyable. Um, and it's just, it's just awe inspiring, I think. I would rate this book as room temperature because even though like, you know, even though your heart is pounding, it's safe on your coffee table. So what's the setting for this? What time period are we dealing oh, with? I, I want to, we're like right before the Revolutionary War. Okay. Yeah. I want to say it's like right before there. And I don't think that it necessarily stays true to, um, it would like, while I wouldn't classify it as completely mm -hmm. historical fiction, I do think that it stays true to that era yeah does that make sense it doesn't necessarily yeah. like there isn't a huge um iconic war going on behind her but the clothes are correct the way that everybody is acting towards each other is correct yeah. you know and that's like my favorite kind of historical fiction where it's not like by the way this battle was happening but it's more like this is the atmosphere like you definitely feel like you're in that era and the characters feel like they're in that A era. day in the life of. You said it was also fantasy. So is it like in the real world, but there's like touches of fantasy in it? I think that it's just in the writing. Like the whimsic, like the, yeah, the writing is so, like you're so there, you're so grounded, but it has a fantastical feel to it of the idea that anything's possible. And I don't think that you always feel that from horror. You know, horror is more like anything is possible and it's all <laughs> yeah. horrible and terrible and bad and scary, you know, but don't worry, there's going to be a final girl. This one, it's like, there's still kind of like that final girl element, but it is possible for her to get love and it is possible for her to use her voice. So it's almost a different swing on it, I guess. It's like the horror has already happened. Oh, interesting. Okay, and what was the title again? All the Truth That's In Me. And it's my favorite book this year. Oh, wow. High praise. <laughs> yes. All right. So I am moving on to, I feel like when we talk about women in horror, we have to talk about Anya mm. Allborn just because she's written so many good books. And the one I want to talk about is Within These Walls. Have you guys read anything by Anya Allborn? I haven't yet, but she's no. on my list. <laughs> So this is about washed up crime writer Lucas Graham, who moves to Washington with his young daughter because he has promised exclusive access to a notorious cult leader and death row inmate, Jeffrey Holcomb. So Jeffrey Holcomb like writes to him and he tells him that he is willing to do an interview with him, like just him for him to write a new book. But he has some stipulations. The stipulations are that they have to be face to face and he has to move into his old house or the house where the cult lived and where there was 
horrifying ritualistic ah. murders and yeah and because he's like I I'm like I need to write this book I haven't had a career in years like it's just a chance he is willing to take like his life is falling apart his wife is leaving him and so he takes this chance and he moves his daughter across the country and moves into this old cult murder house so this is I guess I want to say fun, but you listeners and you guys know what I mean when I say fun. <laughs> but this goes back and forth in time. So like one timeline, we're following Lucas and his daughter. They're settling into this weird house where these awful things happened. And then we are following another timeline, which is following a lonely daughter of a senator who's living in this house. And she meets these intriguing people and they make themselves comfortable in her home and in her life you know going back to Lucas and his daughter really settling into this and his daughter starts to become interested in the history of the house and Jeffrey Holcomb himself and it was just a very well done dual timeline story which I don't think always works but I think it works really well in this case I think she nails the build-up where like you're getting both characters and you are getting that you know in the other timeline it's the lonely senator's daughter meeting jeffrey holcomb and his cult and i think in cult fiction that's like the craziest part is how innocent they seem and how idealistic and positive and how people just fall for this like charismatic leader is just really fascinating yeah just the way that she puts them side by side and just the way it builds up to this crazy climax and crazy reveals was just so well done and I also thought it had a great sense of place in the Pacific Northwest in this just strange house where as I mentioned awful things happened so I would say I would put this at least in the fridge that sounds really good I love cult stories I mean I love hate them like because it's I'm fascinated yeah. by them and like in like fascinated by that whole idea that you could get sucked in something like that or like I'm fascinated by the psychology of people who are I don't know attracted to something that could be a cult but doesn't look like you know how what, how does that work how do you make that decision how do you I don't know I'm just fascinated by all of it so that sounds really good I mentioned it as one of my chilling obsessions when we first started the podcast there's a podcast about heaven's gate that was like absolutely fascinating and really got into like the kind of people that joined and like what it started out as and I thought the host was really good at also humanizing everyone that was there and then he revealed that he himself used to be part of like a crazy cult <laughs> so it was really oh, interesting I've heard about this okay I think that's the second time I've heard someone recommend that podcast so I think I need to add it sorry so yeah that is within these walls by Anya Allborn all right, so my next recommendation is much tamer <laughs> than my last one. So I'm going to recommend Husk by Rachel Autumn Deering. Um, it's about a young man who is struggling to cope with the effects of post-war stress, drug addiction, self-doubt, and loneliness as they manifest themselves into his deepest, darkest fears. Uh, Kevin Brooks returns to his rural Kentucky hometown after a three-year-long tour of duty in Afghanistan. He's lost his grandparents to raise him. He's lost his best lifelong best friend. And he's also lost trust in the government that he once proudly served. 
when Kevin meets a kind young girl named Samantha, he thinks luck must have, his luck must have finally taken a turn for the better. But something else has its eye on Kevin. Something dark and brooding and mean. Something that knows Kevin better than he knows himself. This book is just absolutely uh, astonishing writing. It is more of a novella, so it's very short. It's maybe, I don't know, under 200 pages, I think. Um, it's short. It's succinct. It has no wasted words. And um, while it's not technically a vampire story, there is a strong vampire motif that runs throughout the book that adds another layer of complexity to the story. And I mean, I think it's incredible that the author found a completely fresh way into this old trope and really flipped it inside out. Um, I think this book is really good because it deals with the psychological aspect of post-traumatic stress disorder and just what it could be like in someone's mind after they've been through a lot of trauma um, and especially a traumatic event. Um, and just that feeling of isolation, of loneliness, of wanting to connect with the rest of the world, but not being able to, and that the more you kind of try to connect after something like this has happened, the more, um, far away you feel and the more disconnected you feel. And it's just so powerful and painful and sad and, um, just a really well-written book. And the language is just beautiful i'd say it's between room temperature and fridge uh there's some fridge moments there's some really spooky moments um it's definitely more of a quiet horror than outright terrifying but there are some really like i had i guess i would equate them to like a jump scare in a movie like where you're like your heart just jumps because what happens feels so unexpected and scary and creepy so yeah i'm gonna put it between room temperature and frizz, fridge. Sounds good. And as I mentioned, this was a book I like immediately bought. It's on my Kindle right now <laughs> after listening to your guys' episode about that. And I would also recommend to our listeners to check out that episode or like any <laughs> episode of theirs if it's a book you like want to read. <laughs> Cause, like, You're too kind. <laughs> well, I'm also like the kind of person like after I consume something, I like want to hear people talk about it. Like I am addicted mm-hmm. to like TV recap podcasts. <laughs> yes. Like if I start watching a new show, I have to like find a podcast where people are talking about it. Well, it's like oh, when funny. you I don't know if you've ever if you watch The Walking Dead, but you know how right after the new episodes, they have uh, the Talking Dead, I think it's called, where they just yeah. like talk yeah. about the episode. I love I love that, too. I love um people when people when other podcasts or something talk about a book I love I'm like ooh, oh yeah oh I agree like I'm listening around, along like oh yeah that's a great point you know so oh yeah I agree I'm like at work like yeah that's yeah that's right <laughs> and they're having conversations with them that they're not having yeah. with me <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some chilling obsessions I'll go first. Um, I watched a documentary recently on Netflix called Haunters, The Art of the Scare. And this is about haunts or, you know, haunted houses. And it even really went into like extreme haunted houses. So there was like a variety of stuff that he covered. So, I mean, he did cover like Knott's Scary Farm and like Universal Horror Nights and stuff like that. Uh, But he also covered... Uh, stuff like Blackout and McKamey Manor and McKamey Manor was the one that was probably like the most interesting and this is something I just like was not familiar with at all 
I'm like a huge scaredy cat. Like I am scared of everything. And I think that's why I like to read horror because it's like a kind of safe. Um, but oh man. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So McKamey Manor is like this guy in San Diego puts it on and it is like there's no safe words. It's like a multiple hour experience where people are honestly like tortured. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, like, you would think it's crazy, but it has, like, a 24,000 long waiting list. Like, he (gasps) Skypes with people and, you know, like, they fly out. And, like, when they come, they have to, like, go to the end of, like, a cul-de-sac and, like, face the other way. And then, like, a truck comes and, like, picks them up and, like, puts a bag over their head. And you have to sign this, like, crazy waiver that's, like, you're going to get wet. You might get an unwanted haircut. (gasps) You know, you get, like, waterboarded. It's, like crazy that people you know want to do this and it's just something they're paying money for that no like that he does not take money he takes four cans of dog food for a local dog shelter that's like the payment for it oh Oh, that's oh shit that That is insane (laughs) okay it's just so crazy and then he tells he give him dog food yeah he films it all like he follows them with a camera while they're going through and i think like puts it up on youtube so like you can see people go through this house and be like scared out of their minds and people still want to do this so it was just like you know a subculture that i was like 100 percent not familiar with wow Uh, so it was really interesting that's crazy because i don't this is not my what I was planning. Well, this isn't my chilling obsession, but it reminds me of a movie. Mackenzie and I actually watched it together on Netflix called The House's October Built. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's like a um, it's a it's a fictional movie, but it's done in like a found footage style. Um, so it feels like a documentary. And basically, these kids go on a road trip in search of the scariest, most extreme uh haunted house experiences and so it's almost like they're going looking for something like that and we'll just say things do not go well for them (laughs) as it normally doesn't for you know that group of that that group of uh kids going on a road trip like (laughs) in a slasher that's like a horror yeah like like i'm not scared there are about (laughs) bring it on about eight points in the movie where i'm like um, yeah, I would have left by them, but I would have left by after like the first thing happened. But like, there yeah. are like eight oh, more yeah. things that happen where if you didn't leave, you still had a chance to just stop, and they just don't stop, which is part of the horror genre no. is like people making really dumb decisions. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So my chilling obsession right now is the docu series called The Staircase on Netflix, and it is not really a horror, um, it's not horror per se, it's a true crime documentary series that um, actually started, I want to say it started, they started filming it back in like the late 90s when this whole thing started happening. So here, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it or if you've watched it. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it. I'm I'm familiar with it. Right. So basically what happens is there's a back, you know, in whenever this originally happened, um, there was a married couple who were, they were at their mansion. They were, um, and the wife, um, well, 
supposedly the wife fell down the stairs and um the husband calls the police and when the police gets there there's like they think there's too much blood for it to have been a simple case of falling down the stairs so then this whole investigation happens and then this whole trial and um it's one of those things that it just really first of all i just am fascinated by true crime but then it also it just got like under my skin because I you start to look at the things that um, like you start to wonder like what if someone came and investigated like what was on my computer and tried to use that you know, to prove my character or to slander my character you know so it's like all these little coincidental or um, coincidental things that happen to kind of further this case and just this unsettled feeling of not knowing what really happened and knowing that no one can really know what really happened and you want to know what really happened like did she fall down the stairs did he push her like it's just crazy so this documentary was originally filmed when it first happened and the original trial was filmed and then Netflix filmed a series I think four more episodes like recently to kind of show like the current status of this case and it was just really fascinating I became like really fascinated with this family and the the couple and just this whole story and like wanting to know what really happened but knowing that I never can and it's just I highly recommend it so good yeah wow I haven't checked that out yet but Netflix has been killing it with their like true crime oh my gosh it's so good like my husband and I would after we put our baby to bed we're like okay let's watch a couple episodes of the staircase (laughs) Man, like I, I have to say that my chilling obsession was, um, it's you know the se- the season's done now, but um, it was Castle Rock, and I absolutely adored that because it was uh, based on Stephen King characters and setting, but it didn't follow a Stephen King book, mm-hmm. and so it just had a lot of um, it had a lot of really cool Easter eggs in it. Um, so even if you got the setting, even if you understood exactly where they were coming from and you knew about Stephen King, if you're a Stephen King enthusiast, if you're a horror enthusiast, then there's a ton of stuff for you to pick up on. And so I loved watching those episodes because not only was it a good story and then not only was it in the Stephen King world, but then they also threw down a bunch of stuff for people who had read Stephen King, you know, like there was one line that I remember where, um, one of the, one of the girls... Um, one of the ladies in there, she says something like, man, you think that we all would have just left after that clown thing. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, and it, and you know, she says this like in a, in a dark moment when they're thinking about like what they're going to do about this, um, about what happens next. And like they're, and you know, they're, um, my husband and I are just like, we both just burst out laughing because they leave those in there for you. Um, but yeah, the uh, it's really difficult to kind of um, to kind of talk about because it's uh, it is while each episode is very clear and concise and well done, the idea behind it all I feel like is um, very complex, and so I'm having a hard time oh, it is, synopsizing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, talking about it in a summary. Um, but basically, this guy returns um, Henry Deaver returns to his hometown. He returns to Castle Rock to um, help to be the lawyer um, for this person who has been um, essentially locked in a cell for they don't know how long. And not like a normal cell, but like a basement kind of cell, like underneath the prison. And so um, he returns to his hometown and of course, you know, things go wrong. Um, He uh, 
uh, had been missing as a child and a lot of pieces start to fall into place about why he was missing and what exactly happened to him. Yeah, I agree. It was really good. And I'm not like a Stephen King super fan, but I like loved that I could still find it enjoyable and like I still got a lot of the Easter eggs that were happening. Yeah. And oh man, one of my favorite episodes probably has to be the Sissy Spacek centric episode. Oh man, that's like one of the better episodes I've seen like all year, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I also wanted to throw out another one on Netflix too. And we definitely don't have to go into discussion about this because I don't think that it's pure horror, but I got a lot of like my horror vibe, like my horror itches scratched from okay. it. And it's a movie called Tale of Tales. And it was kind of like what Lisa was saying with the book that she recommended um, with the with the ritualistic human sacrifice. Is yeah. that what it was called, Lisa? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is almost like that in the fact that you can't look away. And it's um, it's kind of uh, Brothers Grimm in the idea that the fairy tales are real. And so, you know, like there's um, there's one scene where um, the woman wants to become more beautiful and her sister who became more beautiful described it as like, they peeled my skin off. And so this poor sister goes from person to person asking who might be able to flay her, who might be able to peel her skin off. And then it actually fucking happens. And so while this isn't horror, like I said, I got a lot of my horror itches completely scratched by tale of tales. We could not look away when the movie was off. My husband and I just, we let it run and just kind of stared at each other. Like, what the fuck did we just watch? (laughs) (laughs) So I really recommend that one. I would say that that's not necessarily like a chilling obsession, but like to follow up with Castle Rock, like stumble upon that one. That one is insane. So is this the one, like I've been scrolling through Netflix. Is this the one that has a picture of like Salma Hayek eating like a heart on the cover? Yes. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly. And she does an amazing job, by the way. It's like, yeah, she she's she's killer. Oh, wow. Because that's when I've like scrolled past. So I'm definitely going to have to Do think it. about checking it out. That's now. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. Where can people find you online? So you can find us at ladiesofthefright.com. That's our website that has uh, that will give you access to all of our episodes of our podcast. We also have a blog on there and it links to all of our social media um, for our Instagram, our handle is at Ladies of the Fright. And for Twitter, it's at L-O-T-F pod. And we also have a Facebook page that we're that we um, update once in a while, but we have we're we tend to have more activity on our Instagram and Twitter. And the website obviously has um, all of the links to the episodes. So Yep. And I definitely suggest everyone check them out. Anyway, like I said, thank you so much for coming. And this was a lot of fun. It was a blast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at BooksFreezerPod or on Instagram at BooksInTheFreezer. Or you can send us an email at BooksInTheFreezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefreezer.com. We're on Patreon under Books in the Freezer. And a special thank you to all of our patrons. We would not be able to do this show without you. If you're looking for a free way to support the podcast, be sure to leave us a review on a podcast app like iTunes or Stitcher. It helps people find us. 
I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. Or on YouTube at That's What She Read. Join us next time for Books in the Freezer.